Hi, this is the Restless Ben Podcast, and I'm your host, Ben Ondorf. All the podcast stories are available complete with pictures at RestlessBen.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at RestlessBen and subscribe to the Restless Ben YouTube channel for video compilations. Today's episode is about returning to the Sri Lankan coast to swim with blue whales, partake in the local fishing customs, ride clean surf breaks, and dance barefoot in the sand at a ruckus New Year's Eve beach party. Unable to resist its gravitational pull, the southern Sri Lankan coast reels me back in for round two. I planted my shoulder blades just above the log tied across the bow of the fishing boat with my back facing the water and at the count of three in Sinhalese I dug my heels into the wet sand, extended my legs, and the boat lurched a few feet closer to the rising tide 30 feet away. My Aussie buddy Simon and I had decided to get the local fishing experience by hopping on board one of the hand-lined fishing boats that headed out around 5 a.m. This wasn't an organized tour by any means. We just pulled up to the docks and asked around until someone agreed to take us along for a few extra dollars. The two-man fishing crew we joined, Sudi and Purimali, were pushing the log strapped to the stern, and although they were a somber duo, there was no denying that getting the boat into the water was better with a four-man team. They didn't speak a word of English, and it was the owner of the boat, not them, that had agreed in broken English to add us to their crew. It's doubtful that they were thrilled to change their daily routine by adding a few random foreigners to their manifest, so I was glad that we had been able to sweat alongside them right off the bat. We were already plopping in the anchor float, a long wooden pole with concrete on one end, a large styrofoam bobber, and a flag affixed to the top, as the sun broke the horizon line. The next few hours were spent in utter silence, as hooks were baited and connected to the main line. It's hard to know exactly how much primary line we had let out when the end float was connected and tossed into the water. I'd guess about two kilometers. Sudi and Putty did the finer work, but let us do the grunt work of hauling in the hand line. After our hands began to form blisters and several giant trevally were in the bottom of the boat, the fisherman's mood became palpably warmer. After some pointing and pantomiming by Sudi, I found a pack of cigarettes that he had stashed away and lit one for him and Putty, which required sticking my head into my shirt to block the wind. He then gestured for me and Simon to have one of his cigarettes as well. I'm not a smoker, but this was clearly a sign that our presence had been accepted by our stoic crew, so I puffed away gratefully, nodding my feigned enjoyment. The sun was almost directly overhead as the four of us painstakingly inched the boat the 30 feet back from the high tide mark where our morning had begun. After a short but genuine goodbye, we accepted a fish for dinner and headed back to our Midigama lodging, Siri Medura Surf Yoga Meditation Guesthouse. The journey back down the southern coast had been prompted by New Year's plans to celebrate on the beach with throngs of young people dancing barefoot to EDM beats until the morning light. Even the fun-loving owner of the Laughing Leopard Hostel, Ash, had closed his place so that he could take a few days to enjoy the beachy vibes of Marissa to ring in 2019. However, this time, instead of staying in Mirissa at Colors Hostel and Marissa Gem with its young party vibes and sweet owner Rue, I opted to stay 25 minutes west in the little surf village of Midigama. The sleepy stretch of surf breaks is far more laid back than Mirissa, and life centers around one thing, surfing. If the surf report shows a favorable swell for the following morning, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone up past 10 p.m. At 5 a.m., the kitchen begins to come to life as people make a light breakfast and coffee before heading to their favorite break, sometimes with the stars still shining. Siri Madura is a guest house which could be likened to the film The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, and that many of the guests are there for months at a time. There's a comfort to familiar faces sitting around on hideous lounge furniture in various states of disrepair, discussing that day's surf that soothes the nerves of the solo traveler. At 2,000 rupees, $11, per day for a private room and a moped, there's very little financial incentive to look elsewhere. If you want a change of scene, take a moped day trip somewhere further afield. If not, Ahangama, the nearest village, has groceries and a humble gym, Singha Shakti Gym, 
with everything you need and the warmest staff imaginable. We'll be right back after this. For two blissful weeks, I cooked fresh fish, surfed every morning, did a mural on the guest house wall, and took the moped up and down the coast. When I craved more social interaction, I swung back through Colors Hostel to meet new people and say hey to Rue. One such morning at Colors went from coffee in the rooftop common area with two Americans and a Swede to a full-on trip up the coast to Delawala Beach. The day was spent mopedding around, swinging on an idyllic palm tree rope swing, and trying our hand at acro yoga. Other days consisted of surfing and then slinging up my Eno hammock in the shade at one of the many sparsely populated beaches to read or nap. As predicted, I rang in the new year with friends I had met traveling on the Marissa Beach dancing to electronic music barefoot until the wee morning hours. Although I had enjoyed more than a few adult beverages, I reacted instinctively when I felt a hand slip into my back pocket where my money was folded into a neat rectangle. Before I even saw my would-be thief, I had his slender wrist firmly in my right hand. As I spun around to face him, I felt his hand release, leaving my money in my pocket. Now I was face to face with a 5'3 Sri Lankan guy in his early 20s, who immediately threw up his hands in the universal, I don't want any trouble gesture. This is a stellar pickpocket defense. We were the only two people on the whole beach that knew that he's a pickpocket and I was the intended target. To any onlooker, I look like the aggressor with a significant size advantage. He backed up passively with his hands up and melted into the crowd within seconds. Well played, shitbag. We'll call this one a draw, since I still have my money, and you got away. Back in sleepy Midigama at my favorite surf spot, Zion Surf Camp, there were far more sinister intentions playing out. Zion is a chill beachfront hostel with fast Wi-Fi, a wide selection of boards to rent, and a reef break that provides pumping right and left breaks. The bar and restaurant is under an open-air wooden pavilion with hammocks slung up and ample seating to watch the sunset and surfers while sipping on a lion beer. The place is owned by a UK national and staffed by local Sri Lankans. About a kilometer down the road, Cheeky Monkey, a subpar hostel, bar, and surf shop is owned by Sri Lankans that are competing for tourism market share. On New Year's Eve, shortly after midnight, several thugs from Cheeky Monkey came to Zion, beat up the local staff member so badly that he lost an eye, and broke a bottle over the owner's head from behind as he played a drum around a bonfire. Unfortunately, as tourism grows, the ugly side effects of turf warfare will likely continue to play out behind the scenes. As for me, I generally try to stay on the right side of the law, but sometimes it's worth it to put a toe over the line. After New Year's, I decided that I had one illegal activity that I absolutely had to engage in before I left Sri Lanka. Swimming with blue whales. The largest living animal ever, including dinosaurs, is a rather shy creature. There are whale watching boats that head out in the mornings to view the giants breaching, and then there are the illegal small boats that go out after the other boats return that let you hop in the water with them. It's not cheap. After haggling, I got it down to 100 US dollars, which is the most expensive activity I've done on the trip thus far. Worst of all, there's no guarantee that you'll see them, and there is no refund. It's like going to the roulette table and putting $100 on whales. After nearly two hours of searching in vain, our hopes had begun to sink. There was no shade, the only snacks were cookies, of which I bored ate an entire sleeve, and the Tom Hanks castaway jokes had begun to grow stale. Then our guide spotted one. I didn't see it at first, but when he started shouting to the other boat hand excitedly and accelerated to full speed, I looked directly over the bow and there it was, a good 300 meters away. Blue whales, depending on their size, only take a few breaths before diving down for 5 to 10 minutes while continuing on their general trajectory. The trick to catching a glimpse of them in the water is to hold course and speed along the whale's anticipated path so there is a minimal distance for the boats to close to get swimmers in the water before they dive down again. We had weathered several failed attempts when we finally caught a bit of luck, and one surfaced only about 70 meters away. 
We zoomed towards it, and once we were in line with its path, I rolled off the side of the boat while we were still moving and started kicking down into the abyss. The whale had already begun to descend into the depths when I spotted him directly below me. In retrospect, I could have and should have continued to free dive down to get closer, but in all honesty, I instinctively froze. Being in the open ocean in the presence of a creature the size of a subway car will do that to you. I was in a kind of awe that is a combination of paralyzing fear and childish fascination. Five hours in the blazing sun, bouncing around in a little boat, a hundred bucks poorer, all for eight seconds with a living submarine? Totally worth it. Although it's not quite as exciting as swimming with whales, there's a bathroom accessory in this part of the world that claims a close second. I have recently become reacquainted with the apparatus known in local parlance as the bum gun. Although it is not a firearm, it is a water cannon next to the toilet that packs a comparable amount of blasting power. Without an air compressor, I'm still unsure how it manages to achieve fire hose intensity. Can a BH shine? Do I have the cleanest BH in the history of BHs? These are questions for the bigger brains to ponder. But I do know that power washing after a numero dose makes me confident that I could pass the white glove test with flying colors. Thanks for tuning in. Check out RestlessBen.com for all the stories complete with pictures. At the bottom, there's a contact form to get all the newest podcast episodes sent directly to your inbox, as well as new travel videos and blog posts, so you can keep up with my whirlwind adventures. I've also included links at the bottom of my blog to some of my favorite gear on Amazon.com. Regardless what you buy, if you use my link to reach the Amazon portal before you get whatever it is your heart desires, I get a tiny little ad revenue. It doesn't cost you a dime, and it helps me stretch my travel a bit longer. I'm basically like a Girl Scout, but instead of delicious cookies, it's pretty much anything you can imagine. And instead of using the money to go camping, I'm using it to avoid going back to work. But I'll probably use some of it to go camping, too. Thanks for listening. I'm Ben Orndorff, and I'll be back next week with a new episode of Restless Ben.